Hi, this is Jeff Richards, Columbus, Ohio. You're listening to Barbecue Central. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How's it going? You have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what? What? What seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two feet for wiener. Delicious, Libertius. Shit feast. I'm shaking like a dog. Shit peach seeds. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. Welcome to the Barbecue Central Show. Here we are, talking about live fire stuff. We do it on Tuesdays, live, from 9 to 11. You can get it in podcast fashion, starting on Wednesdays, hour number one, and then hour number two on Thursday. Still to come on this show, what I'm calling the Hall of Fame Roundtable. Daniel Vaughn from Texas Monthly Barbecue. Adrian Miller, the soul food scholar, and Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue, will be in to discuss at length and detail the semifinalists for this year's Barbecue Hall of Fame, the class of 2020. There are nine folks that are on that list, and three of them will make up the class. We will have an exclusive show coming up on the 27th. Of May. That's a Wednesday. We will have it at 3 p.m. Eastern, like we did this past Wednesday. And once again, we will announce live. We'll do it live. The Barbecue Hall of Fame class at that point. Very exciting. Emily Park will be back with me. Don't forget, you can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat and TikTok. Slash BBQ Central Show on Facebook, where you can also find a video feed of this show as well. Coming up on the best moments of the of the coming up on the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in ten minutes or less this Friday. Believe it or not, we're going into one hundred and twenty four episodes. Holy moly! Rapidly becoming the third or fourth longest running live fire podcast that covers solely this show Uh nothing else it's 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 one of the longest running shows in the space about this show that's weird to say it's really the truth it's weird to say we're taking you back to may 14th of 2013 so almost seven years to the day and do you love burgers hamburgers yes of course you love hamburgers in fact We had hamburgers for dinner tonight, believe it or not. In the Best Moments show, I visited with Andy Husbands, who I personally have a man crush with. He was just on the show, uh, you know, right before all of this disease landed on us. We were talking about his latest book. This is back in 2013. It was called Wicked Good Burgers. Uh, Maybe some of you or most of you have this book. Fabulous book. Hugely successful commercially. He co-wrote that with his pal Chris Hart. 
who happens to be the pitmaster of a little barbecue team called IQ. I'll say legendary pitmaster. It's still widely considered to be one of the best burger cookbooks that are out there. And the content has stayed incredibly relevant to this day because, well, it's burgers. Hard to beat a well-executed burger. In fact, I would make the argument that the simpler the burger and take into account method and seasoning and toppings and all of that other stuff, the simpler the burger, the better the burger is. Not always the case with other dishes, but definitely true in burgers case. You can get crazily obnoxious with burgers, putting all these toppings and making all these extravagant blends. Now, certainly there have been proven blend winners, but sometimes people just go nuts. But few things in life are as satisfying as a good burger. In fact, I will drive for a good burger. I won't drive for a lot of things. You know what? I won't drive for most things. We know that. I will drive for a good burger. I love burgers. There's a place on West, uh, West, who goes West? East 200 Street, right here in East Cleveland. It's called Stevenson's. It used to be only five minutes from here on Lakeshore, but like one day the whole place was gone. There's a whole thing. I don't even want to get into it. But they bought a different bar up the road on 200 Street, right by the highway. These, this place has the best freaking flat top hamburger. I defy anybody to show me and have me taste a better burger than the one at Stevenson's. And by the way, very affordable, not crazy. And I've had burgers everywhere. I went to Chicago and had a day of burger eating. Now, some of the best burgers I've ever had there as well. The burger at Ocheval was almost life-changing. I had a burger at the Billy Goat, which is where cheeseburger, cheeseburger, cheeseburger came from. I had a burger there. I had to have a burger. How could you be? I was walking past there for three days. And I'm like, how can I walk past here one more time and not eat one of these freaking cheeseburgers? It would be sacrilege. I couldn't possibly have... I left Chicago not eating in a number of places. No Italian beef sandwiches, none of that. Uh Didn't get one. No deep dish pizzas. But I was not going to walk by the Billy Goat one more time and be able to live with myself. So I just rolled right in, walked down the stairs, and had a cheeseburger. What do you want? What does anybody else get here? It's a cheeseburger and Coke, no Pepsi. Or Pepsi, no Coke, or whatever the line is off the Saturday Night Live. Smoking Joe's Barbecue Pit weighing in in the instant chat. White Castle is not a burger. Who said I ever ate a White Castle burger? Austin Carr has never been so right at the end of that drop. Get that weak stuff out of here. Just because Joey Chestnut can plow 748,000 crystal burgers in 10 minutes which are a White Castle equivalent. That's not my kind of burger. I don't, I'm not going to discriminate if you like White Castle burgers. Eat them all day long. They're gross. 
They're weird looking. They're steamed. If you like steamed meat, doesn't that sound bad? Steamed meat. The buns are steamed. The onions, I hate onions anyway. They're not nearly cooked enough. For me to even touch an onion, it has to be hard grilled or sautéed until it is dark brown, like sweet. If it even remotely resembles anything raw, if there's any texture to it, get it out. I don't want any part of it. Raw onion is the devil's candy, and so is pumpkin. Oh, it's the gross. God, I hate it. Let me get back to this whole uh, barbecue hall of fame thing, too, by the way. As Guy the Cooking Sam is Greg Get Off My Lawn Guy. Uh, Get ready to get more off my lawn, Sam. I saw a lot of this going around on Thursday last week after we had the exclusive live live. announcement of the nine semifinalists. Oh, how come X person isn't nominated? Oh, so-and-so should be on that list. Oh, no, no, no. That nine is fine and all, but you left this person out. They really belong. Let me ask you a question. You oh, Well, first of all, let me make a statement. You must know. You must know. If you listen to this show, that unlike any other Hall of Fame, unlike any other Hall of Fame, this Hall of Fame, the Barbecue Hall of Fame, actually goes to the general public and asks for ideas. That's ridiculous. No Hall of Fame should be asking. The the, the general public is a dangerous public, if it's one thing I know. But they do. So don't post on my Facebook or on my Twitter or on any of that about how you don't like the nine. Hey, dumbass, did you nominate anybody? No, shut up. Shut up. If you are being asked to put in a name, put in whoever the hell you want. You want Speedy from McDonald's? Vote for Speedy. Make a case. You have the option. You can put whoever you want. Oscar Mayer. Put him in. They're all talked about. That's the beauty. I mean, it's the worst thing and the best thing about asking the general public. They have to talk about it. They have to. So don't bitch and moan about the list that's been generated if you haven't participated in the nomination. Shut up. Now, if you didn't know, now you know for next year. I'm not yelling at you, but I'm yelling at all the rest of you people that knew that. I mean, that's so lame. Know the rules. All right. Soon we'll be picking up on the Barbecue Hall of Fame roundtable. I'll talk to you quickly about the folks over at Big Papa Smokers. The one-stop online shop for all things barbecue. A curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking supplies. We'll get you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Everything at Big Papa Smokers has been Pitmaster approved by Sterling Big Papa Ball himself. They have 13 perfectly balanced flavors of rub and seasonings like Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow. 
regular money, double secret steak rub, desert gold. I love Little Louis season salt myself. Got a nice hint of black pepper. Now, they also have a sauce. They own Granny's Barbecue Sauce. So if you're looking for a great go-to sauce that's a little different than the rest out there, give Granny's a try. can be used as a base sauce where you can tweak. Or it's great all on its own. You don't have to tweak if you don't want to. Aside from the premium selection of rubs and sauces, they also offer the very best pellet, charcoal, and wood cookers available today. Are you looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use? Check out the Mac Two Star General Pellet Group. Big Papa Smokers, the exclusive Mac dealer. They even offer special packages. Not a fan of pellet smokers? Try the Old Hickory Ace BP, the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition trail. If you're not sure of what kind of smoker you need, you really can't go wrong with anything listed on the website. Give them a call and ask questions. 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Or shop the website, bigpopsmokers.com. That's B-I-G. P-O-P-P-A smokers.com We are back with the Hall of Fame Roundtable. Daniel Vaughn, Adrian Miller and Dr. Barbecue Ray Lampy. Stick around. We'll be right back. Visits from a killer hog, a cooking guy, a man named Meathead, the author of Barbecue Bible, a grill girl, a bristly barbecue journalist, and the male feasance of the barbecue world known as the Embedded Correspondence. Only found right here on the Barbecue Central Show. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker, the most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet. Currently available in two different sizes with a host of accessories. Whether you're a beginner or professional, definitely a cooker you want to add to the arsenal. Visit pitbarrelcooker.com and tell them the Barbecue Central Show sent you right there in Louisville, Kentucky. All right, as you heard on the exclusive announcement here this past Wednesday on a live show. We'll do it live. The nine semifinalists have been announced and folks are eagerly giving their opinion on which three should be going in over the next handful of weeks to make up the class of 2020. Here to discuss the list. And give thoughts on them are the initial, uh, uh, I'm sorry, to have to give them thoughts on the uh, final nine and the initial big list of names. Quite a distinguished and accomplished panel I have accumulated here. Uh, joining me, the soul food scholar, Adrian Miller, the first full-time barbecue journalist in the country, Daniel Vaughn. And of course, a guy who is already in the barbecue hall of fame, Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue. All joining me here, so let me uh, get everybody's audio up here, and I think that gets us all on. Guys, let me go ahead and, uh, A, welcome you in. All right, so, Greg, who's got your vote? Who who would your top three be out of this list? Dude, <laughs> let's ease into this date. Let's not just jump right into bed, Daniel. I mean, holy crap. Uh, I mean, come on. That's what it's all about, that, right? Wow, we. I mean, uh, I guess we know how you watch. Uh, all right. Um, so, uh, closing out the first hour, I spoke with the hosts of the Pitmasters podcast, Anthony Lujan and Rusty Monson, who both competed in an SCA event in their home state of Utah. Uh, 
just your summary thoughts here. Are you guys surprised that there was a competition? And are and what are your thoughts on having that stuff start to potentially roll out across the country? Daniel, your thoughts on that? Wow. Uh, would I want to sit at a judge's table not quite knowing uh, how that food was treated before it arrived to me? I, I don't know. I mean, I guess, uh, you know, these days, uh, the big argument here in Texas is uh, now that we have a lot of our dining rooms opened up, are you willing to go eat inside a restaurant? Are you willing to go sit inside a dining room and get your food? And a, a lot of people are a little wary about that for uh, for health purposes. But, um, you know, the other part of that is, like, if we're okay getting uh, takeout, uh, that's still a lot of trust that you're putting in a kitchen. And I guess that's the same level of trust you'd have to be putting into a uh, – to any food that shows up at a judge's table, um, except the one problem is if you're at a restaurant, you know who served it to you. Uh, if you're at a judge's table, not so much. Ray, your thoughts on competition starting to roll out in some form this, at this point? Well, I mean, it's like everything else. I, you know, I had this conversation with my neighbor today. Everybody's got to do what they think is right right now. You know, I, I'm doing what I think is right, and I, everybody else needs to do the same thing. And God bless them. I hope we're all right. You know, I hope nobody's wrong on these decisions. But I, I, I you know, I'm not going to judge anybody right now, and I hope they don't judge me. Uh, Adrian, your thoughts on competitions rolling out? Yeah, I guess I, as long as they can do it safely, uh, I'm open to the idea. But like Ray, you know, I'm a, I'm a little skeptical. But if they can be safe, let's do it. All right. Uh, we are here talking with, and, and by the way, we do have... Adrian back up and running here, so that's great. Uh, we have uh, Adrian Miller, Daniel Vaughn, Ray Lampy joining me here on the show. Uh, we're here to talk about the nine semifinalists on the 2020 Barbecue Hall of Fame ballot. Before we start to break down the names and their significance to the live fire industry, I don't want to just assume that everybody knows who you guys are, as I gain new listeners all the time, and I just don't want to you know, assume. We all love to think everybody knows us, of course. But can we take just a brief second, get a little background on each of you guys, how long you've been on the committee for uh, the Barbecue Hall of Fame, and uh, perhaps more importantly, what you feel you are bringing to that committee table in regards to knowledge, qualification, and all this stuff. So, uh, Adrian, let's start with you. All right, I'm Adrian Miller. I call myself the Soul Food Scholar. My tagline is dropping knowledge like hot biscuits. That's what I like to do. Uh, so I was born and raised in Denver, Colorado, which loses me all street cred on the subject of barbecue. But um, I've written a book on the history of soul food, Black Chefs in the White House. And now I'm writing a book on the history of African-American barbecue. Should be out in a year from now. And uh, I've eaten barbecue joints all around the country. It's the tradition I grew up in. Um, I've been on the committee for, this is about a year now. This is my second time going through the voting. And one of the things that I'm really interested in is just um, making sure that we have a, a diverse and inclusive uh, Barbecue Hall of Fame that celebrates excellence as well. Uh, Daniel Vaughn, your qualifications and quick background? Wow, that's a, that's a big one right there. Um, well, I mean, this is an industry that I've, I've studied since I've uh, long before I even became barbecue editor. Uh, so as far as studying the names in the, in the competition world, um, certainly more familiar with the restaurateur world, as well as the historical figures. Uh, so I feel like I'm uh, well-rounded in, in, I guess, knowledge of all those different industries. Um, you know, and really when it comes down to it, we're all on a big committee here, and I'm 
feel like I'm pretty good at arguing as well, and that's that's half the fun. Uh, Ray Lampy, who are you? <laughs> I just showed up here. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty well known, I think, for my my background uh, in the barbecue competition world. But you know, along with that came a obsession with barbecue, which covers so many things. So I, I accidentally became a pretty well schooled historian on my own. Um, like I said, people think of me as a competition guy, but I wrote a book called Barbecue Road Trip in 2004. And, you know, so I've, I've been studying this thing from all sides for a long time. And I'm the new guy on the committee, and it's quite an honor to be included with these guys. You know, like I said, I think of myself as a cook, but, uh, and I think of these guys as the guys who are writing and doing all the, the research and stuff. And it's kind of fun to be included with them. Ray, do you think it is important for, uh, you know, if it wasn't you, if it was somebody of your ilk to be in this committee, so it's not just a bunch of uh, guys that are well-versed on the history and the culture, but somebody who has also been on the, the cooking portion. Not saying these guys don't cook, but, you know, you know, from a competition side, and who are seeing it from a different perspective. Well, I think I'll let the other guys comment on it, but I, I think there were people on the list that I was more familiar with than the other panelists, uh, just because I've lived in that world, maybe. And, and the more of us, you know, Adrian said diversity, and I'm a huge proponent of that. I, I've been a little bit involved with the Barbecue Hall of Fame since its inception. Mike Tucker and Ray Basso were good friends of mine when they started it. And I've always felt diversity was the, was going to make it viable. And I mean, black people, white people, fat ones, skinny ones, Texans and Carolinians and men and women and and you name it. I mean, every every single possible angle of diversity needed to happen. And I think we've done a pretty good job. So I, hopefully I bring a little bit of that to the table, too. Daniel, do I you may just be the, the the fat white guy, so I'm not very <laughs> fit in many diverse classes. But, but I sure do like a lot of diverse folks. Uh, Daniel, do you think it's good to have somebody of, of uh, Ray standing on that committee to, to bring his point of view? Well, I mean, absolutely. I was going to stop you before and say uh, it sounds like you're saying Ray is not cultured, which uh, I'd have to argue with. Um, uh, now, it was actually really refreshing to have uh, Ray's input. Um, you know, we had we've got lots of folks here uh, on the list who are, who are from the restaurant side, which I am well versed in, uh, but a lot of folks from the competition side that uh, maybe I wasn't as well versed in. I mean, I'll, I'll say right now that. Uh, Bill Arnold wouldn't be on the list without uh, Ray's input really filling us in on his importance. It's not somebody who is incredibly well-known from, uh, you know, stacking up all the wins and grand championships in competitions like, you know, Tuffy Stone, who's already in the Hall of Fame, and, and Darren Warth, who's on the list here. Uh, you know, it, it was somebody who had a real contribution to competition barbecue mm -hmm. that uh, maybe isn't as obvious as, as putting big trophies up there. And, and really, I think without Ray's input, um, I think we none of us would have been as well educated on, uh, on really what he brought to the game. Uh, Adrian, your thoughts on uh, having a guy like Ray on the panel this time around? Yeah, I'm just going to echo Daniel because uh, I didn't know a lot, a lot about the competition um, finalists or the nominations. So Ray was very helpful in kind of sorting that out. So uh, yeah, I'm glad to have him in the mix. All right, guys. So let's talk a little let, bit. Let me say. I want to say. Yeah. Hang yeah. on, Greg. I want to say something about that. I, you know, I, I am happy to carry the torch for the competition, guys. And I asked at the beginning of the meeting if I that was my position there. Uh, but I can tell you, and I hope these guys will back me up. I 
I question the competition guys too. When we talk about diversity, I also want to see a diverse career for these Hall of Fame guys. And just winning a bunch of trophies doesn't cut it for me. You know, it it's, can be an important part, but you got to do some other stuff too. All right, uh, so let's talk about the Hall of Fame here just for a second and its history for a bit. And you might find it hard to believe, guys, but there are some folks out there who have no idea that there was a barbecue Hall of Fame, that it even exists. Can't believe it. Even if there's no physical place, they didn't even know that there was a barbecue Hall of Fame. So, uh, Ray, you alluded to it uh, a couple minutes ago, but and you probably know more about the history of the Barbecue Hall of Fame prior to the American Royal getting its hands on it. So, best to your recollection, how was it born and uh, how and who were the folks that originally installed this? Yeah, well, Ray Basso, who had the original BBQ Forum starts in, I think, 95. And back in the day, there was nowhere else to hang out. We didn't have Facebook and all that. And so a lot of barbecue guys were, were made friends there. And Mike Tucker from Hog Eyes Barbecue up in, uh, uh, right outside of Des Moines, uh, Ankeny, Iowa. Mike was always a big proponent. Mike would always fund these, these crazy projects. So they bought uh, whatever that website that they use is and they started the Barbecue Hall of Fame online. And those are now known as the legacy candidates or the legacy uh, members. When they sold it or there was a transaction that they gave it to the American Royal and the intention was to take it to the next level. Um, I don't know why the American Royal always considers those members different than everybody else, but they do. And that's what that's all about. Um, but it's it's been a good thing, I, you know. It, it we started way too late, man. This thing needed to start 50 years ago, and and I think we're getting there. But there, you know, when you look at that list, there's just so many people that do belong in the Barbecue Hall of Fame, and it's going to take a while to get caught up. That's what I, that's what I think. We just started way too late. Uh, Adrian, we have been some of the or we've we've seen some of the biggest evolutions uh, of the hall since it has transitioned from the online entity that Ray was talking about to the American Royal taking over. What do you think some of the biggest changes that you've seen over that time frame are? Um, so, you know, just getting it started and rolling has been good. Um, I do quibble, though, about the diversity. I don't think we have enough, uh, especially African-Americans, represented in the um, Barbecue Hall of Fame, which is one reason why I got involved. Um, but I think that it's starting to show a nice spread of diverse styles um, and different genres within barbecue. So I think that's good. But like Ray said, we have a lot of work to do still. Um, but I, I want to see more people of color in the, in the Barbecue Hall of Fame and more women, you know, just have that represented. Daniel, given the items that have taken place over the past few years, last two years especially, given the willingness to show transparency by the American Royal, putting names to committee members, letting the public see the semifinalists and so on. What, in your opinion, could still be improved as you look ahead into the next, you know, two, three, four years of classes? Well, I mean, one of the main things that could be improved is uh, just the, the number of nominations that we get in, um, you know, uh, and, and so the, the reactions that you see from people immediately after these, semifinalist list come out well what about this person what about that person unless we have that name in front of us to look at um in you know during that nomination process they're not going to be considered and if you don't if you don't turn in a nomination of someone who you really believes belongs in the hall of fame then then how are we going to talk about them how are they going to ever make it in there so a little bit more of a 
sort of put up or shut up um, needs to happen from some some of the naysayers. Um, uh, one of the things, though, that I think could really be improved is, uh, and we've talked about it really bluntly in the nomination committee, is, um, you know, we've certainly seen better representation from a racial standpoint uh, in the Hall of Fame, but you know, the Barbecue Hall of Fame is still looking for that one uh, African-American who's still alive to accept a uh, their their spot in the Hall of Fame. And so that's something that, uh, you know, it's a possibility of changing this year. But, um, yeah, so there's, you know, there's still some improvement. Um, I think also just being able to, if we could look further back in history and really start rewarding some people who um, – had a really big impact on barbecue just these days because maybe their contributions were long, long ago. Um, their names just aren't going to be really all that well known today. Uh, finding ways to get them in the Hall of Fame. Adrian, go ahead. Yeah, I, just what Daniel said. I was going to say we've created this legacy category to just really take a look at those uh, giants in barbecue who just aren't well known today, but in their time, they were legends. All right, so let me ask a, a, a racially weird question here, and I'm glad I have Adrian here to ask it because you other two guys probably wouldn't be able to answer the right way. Um, there is talk of diversity, and, you know, I mean, I get it, but so is there a line or are there eggshells being walked around to where there is either a, a need to feel like you need to nominate a, a certain number of African Americans or women? Uh, or is that not brought up? Or, I mean, I, I want diversity like the next guy, but you know, how do you, how is that done appropriately when you have such a vast array of names that you can really not account for because of how racially unjust the country was hundreds of years ago? Right. So um, I don't think we go into it with a specific number in mind, but we're trying to just step back as we look at the nominations and try to find balance as we go through. And then the other thing that I think is important, um, we all want to have an inclusive Hall of Fame, but we also want people who represent excellence in barbecue. So uh, we may have diverse nominations, but you know, we frankly talk about, well, what has been this person's contributions to barbecue? Uh, fortunately, there are a number of people of color and women who meet that threshold. Um, but yeah, we're, we're looking for inclusive, inclusivity, but also, um, excellence in barbecue. So I think part of it is a balancing measure. The legacy uh, category is going to help in that sense because the you know the com the committee is really working on that. Um, so I, I think it's a um, a lot of moving parts. Uh, again, there's a whole lot of people who could be in the Hall of Fame, um, and we have a limited number of spots. So um, it's going to take some time, but I think we're going to make some serious strides in the next few years. Go ahead, Ray. As the new guy, I, was, I want to tell you my experience with this meeting that we did a couple of weeks ago. And it was really, for one, I'll tell you that all that it was way more serious and way better than I somehow expected. Because of the lack of transparency in the past, we all had our questions. But one of the things I really felt about it was the whole group felt like we were shepherding the Barbecue Hall of Fame in its young life right now. So instead of saying, well, we need one black person and one girl and, and a guy from Alabama and a guy from Carolina, it was more about understanding that diversity in our list was gonna make everything better. You know, um, I, was I was disappointed last year when I wasn't part of it, 
but the it was three old restaurant tour guys, two of them that had passed already, and one that was too too frail to make the trip. Well, that was not diversity at all. I mean, those are the ones we happen to vote for, but I think I took it as the the whole group was really more interested in shepherding the whole project instead of saying we need one of these and one of these, and and that made me feel really good about the whole thing. Dan, do you have anything to add here before I go to break? Well, um, I'm, I must admit that I'm not able to hear the responses uh, of the other folks on the call, so I, I hope I'm not repeating anything. But uh, one of the things we're also looking for, not not just with diversity for males and females, and uh, you know, and racial diversity as well, we're looking at diversity across um, you know just different different types of uh, contributions and. So, you know, we're, as you've noted before, you know, the committee, the nomination committee is made up of lots of lots of writers and authors. So uh, we certainly don't want it to be just a, a whole list of writers and authors who are up for the nominations. Um, but we also know that people who are on television and and people who are restaurateurs are going to be more well known to the general public. So we feel like it's uh, just as important to make sure that we have maybe lesser known names uh, or, you know, including people who uh, are certainly big in the competition world uh, who might not have as big a profiles because, you know, they haven't had a television show or a book or whatnot, um, but still have really important contributions to the barbecue community. So um, diversity takes many different, uh, different shapes here. All right, uh, standby guys here as I do a quick bit of business, and we'll come back and actually talk about the uh, short list of nine here. We're talking with Daniel Vaughn, Adrian Miller, and Dr. Barbecue Ray Lampy. Let me talk to you quickly about Southside Market and Barbecue. Established in 1882, Southside Market Barbecue is the oldest barbecue joint in Texas. They've been owned and operated by the same family for three generations. Offering premium Central Texas barbecue products, slow-smoked over real wood, shipping, distributing, and manufacturing sausages for companies across the U.S. from food trucks to multi-chain restaurants. Southside Sausage can be on your menu, too. All meats are processed in the on-site USDA-inspected facility, a trusted partner with a focus on quality and authenticity. Wholesale options are available, shipping nationwide via FedEx, food service distribution channels like Cisco, U.S. Foods, and Martin Foods. They're co-packaging capable from research and development to package completion. They can also follow your recipe or help you develop something brand new. Private label opportunities also available. Visit SouthsideMarket.com for more information. And here's the best part. When you're at SouthsideMarket.com, when you're loading up the cart with a whole bunch of good stuff and you want 10% off your order, just enter promo code BBQCENTRAL at checkout. That's B-B-Q-C-E-N-T-R-A-L, all one word in lowercase, BBQ Central for 10% off at southsidemarket.com. We're back to talk about the nine semifinalists with Adrian Miller, Ray Lampy, and Daniel Vaughn right after this. Stick around. Celebrating over 10 years of prolific and unparalleled live fire barbecue and grilling talk. And yes, it's still being done from Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Hey, this portion of the show being brought to you by Smithfield. If you can find it throughout the grilling season, you can get recipes from Chris Lilly, Darren Warth, Ernest Cervantes, and Childs Cridlin. 
with mouth-watering flavor and no artificial ingredients. Smithfield Fresh Pork, quite simply, some of the finest pork money can buy. It's the trusted choice of world championship pitmasters for use in competitions and at home. Smithfield.com. All right, guys, thanks for hanging with me through the break here. And let's go ahead and talk about these nine semifinalists. Um, we'll just uh, start to, in no particular order, by the way. Uh, I'll give the names and we'll just go around the panel and you guys can tell me, um, you know, a little bit about uh, what you feel about that person and uh, perhaps why uh, they are inclusive here into the nine semifinalists. Name. First one that I have is Oklahoma Joe Davidson. Uh, Daniel Vaughn, tell us about Oklahoma Joe and uh, why he's on the list. Just his contributions in, in many different fields and his early contributions to um, the backyard barbecue pit making and uh, turning his backyard barbecue pit business into something that was uh, really going to start uh, lots of backyard pit masters sometimes careers, uh, competition careers, restaurant careers, uh, and then also his successful, his, his own successful restaurant career in opening up, uh, Oklahoma Joe's first in, in Stillwater, Oklahoma. And then later on in Kansas city, uh, in what is now Kansas city Joe or Joe's Kansas city barbecue. So, uh, for, for him, it was really about the fact that he's had big contributions in a couple different areas. Uh, Ray, your thoughts on Oklahoma Joe? Yeah, when I first started KCBS cooking in the early 90s, Joe was already there and he was a rock star. He was the original rock star. He was selling barbecue pits all over the world and bringing the money to the cook-off and brought a double-decker trailer and partying and bringing everybody along. He And he's a charming guy. And, and uh, I mean, he's Oklahoma Joe. That name, you know, everybody knows that name. Most folks don't know there's actually a guy Um uh, it, Joe was a big deal back in the day, and he's still at it. Joe is still doing team building stuff for Oracle, and I mean, he's he's done everything there is to do in the barbecue world. Uh, Adrian, your thoughts on Joe? Yeah, you know, a great restaurateur. That's how I uh, connect with him, and uh, he's one of the few restaurateurs that people who aren't deep into barbecue have heard about his place. Um, they may not know the name right away, but when they think about the Kansas City place, they're like, "Yeah, what's that place with the gas station and barbecue?" You know, that kind of thing. So I think it just shows his resonance um, just uh, across the country and and uh, that people connect to him. All right, uh, Adrian, let's stay with you for the next guy on the list. That's uh, Bill Arnold. Now, this is one person I did not know about, so I'm going to have to defer to my colleagues here. All right, uh, Ray, I know you know Bill, so uh, go ahead and spill it. Yeah, I know Bill well, and, uh, I, yeah, I was pretty passionate uh telling these some of the guys that didn't know that much about Bill, how much Blues Hog Barbecue changed the competition world. I mean, it more than any other product, certainly a taste product, it changed everything. And and frankly, moved then to retail and is a very successful retail product too, um, along with Bill just being a really interesting guy. Um, but the, to me, what Bill's contribution is very much focused on the taste of Blues Hog and how it changed everything. Uh, Daniel, your thoughts on... Uh, Bill Arnold? Yeah, I mean, Ray just made a great case about the fact of just how influential uh, that barbecue sauce was in the competition world and how it not only changed, um, you know, the fact that so many competition barbecue pitmasters were using that sauce, but also how many sauces have come after it that have uh, that have really copied from that style and, and tried to somehow mimic uh, what he was doing. 
All right, next one on the list. Uh, Daniel, we'll stay with you since we ended with you. Somebody that you're fairly familiar with, a guy by the name of Aaron Franklin, by the way, is one of three uh, back-to-back uh, semifinalists uh, that we'll talk about here on this list. Yeah, uh, I mean, just quite simply, I don't think there's another uh, pitmaster restaurateur who has been more influential in uh, barbecue in the world than Aaron Franklin. Period. That's it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's <laughs> you, you travel the world, eat a barbecue joints who are trying to mimic American barbecue. And um, how'd you learn how to cook barbecue? Well, I got Aaron Franklin's book or I watched Aaron Franklin's YouTube show or I watched Aaron Franklin's television show or, uh, you know, I, Aaron Franklin. That, that is so many people uh, use him as their inspiration, um, use the information that he puts out there as the tools that they use to cook with. Uh, I mean, so many of these restaurateurs, the only other way they would have been able to learn this is to come, you know, say 20 years ago, they would have had to uh, come work as an apprentice for someone. And now they can learn so much of it from all the information that Aaron Franklin puts out there. And, you know, they can try and do it as well as he does. Uh, so it's kind of hard to, to match that quality. But, you know, just the influence he's had, uh, the incredible books that he's put out, and just the incredible popularity of his barbecue joint. I mean, there's just, uh, to me, I don't, I don't know if there's anybody on this list that's more deserving uh, than, than him, especially if you consider sort of what the world of barbecue is, is looking towards as an example of how to cook. Adrian, your thoughts on Aaron? Well, that's pretty much a mic drop moment by uh, Daniel, but um, yeah, he's one of the most recognized <laughs> figures in barbecue. And, uh, you know, the other thing that I loved about him is often there's secrecy in the world of barbecue. And the fact that he's been so willing to share his knowledge, I think, is just a testament to what he's created. So, yeah, just very deserving. All right, Ray, what do you think? Yeah, no brainer. Um, I mean, Aaron is was the right guy in the right place at the right time. <laughs> and he's taken full advantage of it and knocked it out of the park. Uh done everything right i mean everybody loves him he does all the sharing all i mean but let's think about the actual you know what what's on the table this guy's written killer books that have sold through the roof he's got the most popular barbecue restaurant in the world um he does videos that everybody watches i mean what more can he do i he goes around the world to food and wine events and and he's the most famous guy in the place i i no brainer all right, uh, Daniel, let me ask you a question in regards to this Aaron Franklin guy. Does he have any idea that there is even a Barbecue Hall of Fame? Uh, yeah, he knows there's a Barbecue Hall of Fame, uh, but I can guarantee you he's not going to be out campaigning to uh, try and get any votes to get into the Hall of Fame. It's just not his style. I don't like to share personal text messages, but I shot him a quick note on Wednesday. I said, hey, you made the list again. And and I quote his response, "Hey, that's Nito." <laughs> Classic. So, um, all right. So uh, next up on the list is Desiree Robinson. Daniel, what can you tell us about Desiree? Uh, I mean, just the embodiment of Memphis style barbecue, and uh, has shown just incredible longevity in doing it, and. You know, just uh, any restaurateur who's able to stay around that long uh, and help define the barbecue style of a, of a city uh, and of a 
very well-known barbecue style and being a Memphis style uh, deserves consideration. Uh, Adrian, your thoughts on Desiree? Yeah, just a wonderful figure in barbecue. Uh, she has told me that a lot of people who come to town from Memphis in May will stop by her restaurant and say, hey, this is the best barbecue I've had all weekend. Why don't you compete? Um, and she really doesn't feel like she has anything to prove. Um, she had, the, uh, the interesting thing is that she and her uh, former her husband, who's, who's died, she's a widow, um, lived in Denver for a time. And they actually ran a barbecue joint in Denver before going to Memphis because they said they couldn't find any uh, good barbecue in Denver. So that hurt me. But um, the, the food is great. The Cornish hens, the barbecue spaghetti and bologna. Uh, and, you know, she, she's just, uh, uh, I think, an important figure in especially barbecue and also African-American barbecue, uh, which has this strong tradition of uh, women uh, carrying a restaurant through when their spouse, who maybe started the restaurant or co-founded it with them, uh, dies. So uh, and you see that a lot you know, across the country. So I think Desiree Robinson is the epitome of that. Uh, Ray, Desiree? Oh, I'm a huge fan. I, I first met her in when I was writing that road trip book in the early 2000s. And she she was, at the time, she was full on running the place. But if you ever have the chance back then, if you sat with Miss Desiree at the restaurant for a little while, her daughter was there working, the grandkids would come by, the grand, Bobby, the big grandkid, and Sean now, they run the restaurant. Uh, the, the, I mean, there was the whole family was there, but she was the matriarch and she was in charge and nobody was gonna mess around. And and uh, those grandsons have all gone to college to get educations, to know how to run the business of a barbecue restaurant. Uh, there's a lot more there than people even know, but on the surface is plenty for me. She's, she's great. All right, Ray, so let's stay with you and talk about John Marcus. Uh, he's on the list this year. Yeah, I mean, John certainly has... Uh, you know, much like Aaron, these guys changed the game. Uh, you know, if John, John, to all that whole legacy of pitmaster shows, and you know, I got a couple uh, uh, DVDs here from the early seasons. That all starts with John, and John was an executive producer till the end of the last show. Uh, most of that would not have happened. Probably none of it would have happened without John. That's, I mean, I grant it's kind of one dimensional. John's become a pretty good cook, and. And, and, you know, he's helped a lot of us doing other things, too. But that that is one contribution, but it's a major one, man. It, it You know, it legitimized us all. All of a sudden, we weren't these goofy guys in the yard. We're still those goofy guys in the parking lot cooking barbecue, <laughs> but we were on TV. And it, granted, it was an obscure station, especially in the early days, but I, it didn't matter. It, it, we wouldn't have had – because you notice what happened when John's show ended. Tell me where the new barbecue shows are. That's right. Uh, Adrian, your thoughts on John? Yeah, his, uh, like Ray said, his barbecue show, I mean, bent the barbecue universe to competition barbecue and um, just really changed the game. And it was so influential um, beyond the world of even just television. Uh, so many people, I think, are interested and got into competition barbecue because of that show. And it created some stars. I got mean, Myron Mixon. Yeah. Yeah, Myron Mixon, uh, you know, and Tuffy Stone, and all these other names that maybe people didn't know outside the competition circuit. Now they know him. Mo Kason, you know, just a number of figures. Daniel, your thoughts on John Marcus? Yeah, I mean, that, that show is just the one who started all those barbecue shows, and there might be too many of them these days. Uh, but, you know, the fact that um, – Nobody, I think, considered the fact that there could be a reality show based on competition barbecue until he did it. Uh, 
and then, you know, just the influence he's had on backyard cooks too. Uh, backyard cooks and those who are wanting to get into competition barbecue. I mean, how many backyard cooks do you think um, own, for better or worse, own something that you could uh, put an injection into your brisket with uh, before that show? Probably not too many. Yeah. All right. Yep. Next one on the list is Rodney Scott, and we'll go to Adrian Miller to kick it off. Yeah, Rodney Scott, I mean, he's just uh, on a meteoric rise in the world of barbecue. Um, and what I love about him is he's doing whole hog barbecue from South Carolina, uh, which is not something you see a lot around the country, but I think he's trying to work on changing that. Um, but, you know, I've been to his family's place in Hemingway, South Carolina. Now I've been to his place in Charleston. And the guy's just doing great stuff. He's a great guy. Um, and uh, I, I just think uh, also, in addition to Aaron Franklin, he's won a James Beard Award. Uh, for his barbecue, um, and they're the only two people who have done that. So I, I just think he's a very compelling figure in the world of barbecue, and uh, can't wait to see what he does next. Daniel, your thoughts on Rodney Scott? Yeah, I think uh, as far as the influence of Aaron Franklin has on brisket, Rodney Scott's got it on whole hog. Uh, he's doing it a little bit different way, um, not so much through the uh, through some of the same channels, you know, as far as YouTube shows and whatnot. He's doing it. I guess leading by example, just continuing to go around, opening up new spots, uh, you know, that are staying true to that whole hog cooking over wood, whether it's in um, South Carolina or now over in Alabama, uh, soon to be Atlanta. Right. Your thoughts on Rodney Scott? Uh, I don't know Rodney, but I certainly know of him and know his story. And uh, I mean, winning that beard award, <laughs> you know, that doesn't happen by accident. Clearly you're doing some good stuff. All right, Ray, let's say with you, uh, Darren Worth is uh, rounding out the last three here. I'll tell you what I said to these guys when we were talking about Darren. I said, if Tuffy belongs in the Hall of Fame, Darren belongs in the Hall of Fame. Um, I mean, Darren has just killed it in the barbecue world uh, like nobody else. And he's also got a hugely successful couple of restaurants in Des Moines. Um, I, you know, and, and the other stuff, he doesn't choose to do much besides that. He's built this huge persona by sort of being a low-key guy. Darren has also uh, become one of the most sponsored-up guys, legitimate sponsors. You know, not uh, I got a banner and, and a free brisket. Uh, Darren, Darren's got legit sponsor money coming in his pocket, and he's done a lot of stuff. I think, I think he's a clear, legit candidate. Uh, Adrian, do you know much about Darren Worth here? No, I learned a lot about him um, through the nomination process. Setting up grand championships all over the place, but I just didn't know much about him. But he seems like he's just one of the one of the most successful people on the competition circuit, and I guess as a restaurateur as well. Daniel, do you have a, a lot of knowledge on Darren? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the uh, uh, first, I'll just say that uh, some of the some of the only brisket that I really loved eating at uh, Jack Daniel's competition was the stuff that I ate at, <laughs> off of Darren's smoker after I got done judging. Uh, so, I mean, uh, you know, you, you often hear how much different competition brisket is than restaurant brisket, but yeah. I really didn't enjoy his. But, I mean, just the, the sort of what Ray said, you know, if Tuffy's in, then certainly Darren's got to be in there. I mean, the guy's just such a uh, incredible heavy hitter when it comes to big-time competition wins. Um, and then the fact that he's got the restaurant going. Uh, I mean, if anybody – and. Uh, if any of the naysayers out there about competition barbecue tell you that it's all just a crapshoot about whatever, it's just all about whatever uh, judges table your brisket 
or whatever tends to hit is what determines whether you're going to win or not. Just, I mean, look at the record of Tuffy Stone and Darren Warth, and that's going to tell you that uh, it really does take some skill uh, to be able to be a repeat winner like that. Uh, Daniel, let's stay with you and talk a little bit about Leanne Whippet. Yeah, um, uh, you know, very similar to the fact that she's uh, just incredibly well-rounded, has had that um, – has had that great success in the competition world also has that television presence and her uh, multiple success on the restaurant front too. Uh, Adrian, your thoughts on Leah? Uh, about the same. I didn't know much about her until I saw her on uh, barbecue Pitmasters. but uh, yeah, just seems to um, be knocking it out of park in so many different aspects of barbecue. Right. You know, Leanne a lot. Yeah. Leanne's a really good friend of mine. So I, I, tr- I wasn't going to necessarily like go to bat for her because it would be because she's my friend, but she had a lot of support from around the room and that made me feel good for her. Um, certainly deserving. She's, you know, she's got a big, big career in restaurants um, and she's won some competition. She hasn't had, she didn't cook as much as some of us did over the years, but she's got some legit wins along the way. And uh, heck, she just won that show, that Bobby Flay show last year. And Leanne, when you walked on the street with Leanne, uh, at a barbecue event, Leanne is a rock star. People are pushing me out of the way to hang out with Leanne. She's obviously better looking than yeah, me. Yeah, I was going to say, no offense, is, Ray, uh, but I'd push you out of the way, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you think that's why? Okay, I thought it was just because she was so well-known. <laughs> she is. I mean, the pitmaster thing, Leanne was the cute blonde, and everybody knows her and loves her. I mean, it's it's great. I'm glad to see it. And her, her uh, nomination was passionately written by her daughter. That was pretty great. All right, uh, last but not least, and uh, we'll go with Adrian to start here, Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. Yeah, you know, I kind of think of him like Aaron Franklin. What I said about uh, Aaron is the one thing that's really cool about Meathead is he's put out so much barbecue content that has just, uh, you know, raised the game for a lot of people who want to become barbecue cooks. There's so much information out there now, and he talks about the science of it, goes into the history. Uh, So, you know, he's just made barbecue uh, much more accessible uh, to so many other people. Ray, your thoughts on Meathead? I'm not familiar with him. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sure he just had a heart attack and keeled over in Chicago. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, the thing about Meathead is me, I like people that do it their way. And Meathead hasn't copied anybody in what he's done. He's he's making it up as he's going along, and it's all him. And, and yeah, the, the amount of content is just astronomical. Um, he's a hard-driving guy, I, you know. I, he definitely is in a class by himself, and I think he belongs on the list. Daniel, your thoughts on Meathead as we close it out here? Yeah, I mean, I was with Ray there for a second. I didn't even didn't even know this guy. I didn't know he was on this list. Um, <laughs> no, but, I mean, come on. AmazingRibs.com, like how – I don't know if there's – there can't be any other website out there that has taught more people how to cook in the backyard um, than Meathead. So I think just – that alone uh and his contributions there is enough but then i mean you add in the fact that he did that amazing book that takes a really just scientific look at cooking barbecue in all its forms uh really a great contribution to barbecue uh from the book and the website and you put them together and i mean there really there just isn't anybody out there who's putting it all together like he is all right, so that is the nine semifinalists. Three of those will actually make it into the class of 2020. That'll be revealed exclusively here on this show Wednesday, the 27th at 3 p.m. Eastern. 
Uh, before I let you guys go tonight, you know I'm going to go here. Daniel, we'll start with you. Give me the three that you would vote, hypothetically, to make it into the 2020 Barbecue Hall of Fame. I think I asked you first. Oh, I'm going to give you Come my on, shot. Don't worry. I think I'm the only motherfucker that's going to be talking real here tonight in about a second. But you go ahead. Uh, well, uh, man, if I had my votes, uh, I mean, if I'm picking one from each group, I'd have to go with uh, with Darren, Meathead, and Aaron Franklin. Wow. All right. Uh, Adrian, you uh, willing to pony up a hypothetical? Now, I'm not as brave as Daniel. I'm from the world of politics, so I'm just going to say we have a beautiful list. A lot of great people. It's tremendous. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. Hey, Daniel, you know what we are on this show? What's that? Courageous. You coined it. That's what you said, Daniel. You said we're courageous on this show. And, uh, all right, so uh, Adrian is not courageous on the show. But Ray is going to be courageous, I know, because he's already a Barbecue Hall of Famer, and they can't take that away from him. So, hypothetically, who would your three be? Well, I'm actually, I actually vote, so I think it's kind of wouldn't be appropriate for me to tell you who I voted for. Um, but I can give you a little hint. I sort of like the guys that uh, – I look at some of these guys, and I'm like, they're going to have another chance. And So I kind of lean more towards the guys that this is their big shot and, and girls. <laughs> I can tell you. All right, I'll admit I'm voting for Desiree. Hey, hey Daniel, what are we on this show? We are courageous. Motherfucking right. I mean, you you, you and I are. Jesus. So wh- who's your three? All right, here we go. Uh, my three in no particular order. Of course, uh, Meathead is going in. And by the way, uh, uh, Ray, to your point, you know, Rita, Meathead's 70 years old, so it's not like he's a spring chicken has got maybe you know 10 or 15 more years to just leg it out here. Um, uh, he, Meathead is a mold breaker. He is bringing barbecue and grilling to the masses, the likes nobody has ever seen. I understand he's using it via the internet, but he has capitalized on this, certainly bolstered by that best-selling book. He has also released any number of YouTube videos with some really hot co-hosts who I don't know what her name is, but congratulations for him. for pay- Even though he had to pay her, who cares? She was hot. Um, and then he has also turned that website into a huge business. Uh, I'm not sure how profitable it is per se, but I know he's generating you know, a, a pretty substantial amount of money, depending on how you're looking at that. He has a team of people that he pays. He has this pitmaster club that he's turned into a revenue source. So he continues to be uh, someone who at every turn is pivoting and trying to make sure that he is leading the way in this regard. So Meathead makes it easily in my book. Uh, next up... No questions and uh, no qualifications needed. Desiree Robinson is in. Uh, As all of you guys said, I mean, she is a staple of the Memphis style of barbecue. I think when you think Memphis style barbecue, aside from the high level of, you know, dry or wet ribs, you immediately go to Cozy Corner and you go to Rendezvous for the places that are just iconic Memphis places. And uh, Desiree is certainly more than deserving. She should be in. And rounding it out for me, top three. Darren Worth from Iowa Smoky D's. Uh, look, the best competition barbecue cook ever. Let me say that again. Ever. Tuffy is in the Hall of Fame. Chris Lilly is in the Hall of Fame. Mike Mills is in the Hall of Fame. Melissa Cookston is in the Hall of Fame. Darren Worth should be in before any of those people. 
period. He's won more than any of them. The only thing that Darren hasn't won is Memphis in May, and I guarantee goddamn tea that if coronavirus 2020 wouldn't have happened, he would have had it in those crosshairs and probably had a pretty good chance of taking Memphis down. He tried it once last year. It wasn't that great. But give him another shot, maybe three shots. I think there's a pretty good shot that he takes Memphis. And then if he takes Memphis and made that, oh, my God, I mean, he will have won every big competition, not to mention all of the other general barbecue competitions that he's won, plus, as Ray said, and everybody else has alluded to, he's been very successful in the barbecue restaurant business, um, has a number of those, does a tremendous amount of catering, hires a lot of people there in the uh, Des Moines area. Oh, by the way, does anybody realize the thousands and thousands of dollars this guy has given away, prize money that he has given away to various pediatric uh, foundations uh, through uh, some of the affiliations that he has, uh, through uh, like Big Papa Smokers when he has competed at various barbecue. He has donated back his winning checks. I'm sure he, he probably hates the fact that I'm talking about this, but nobody else is going to say. I mean, this he is not just a competition cook. And oh, by the way, too, if you go talk to him in uh, Daniel Ray, I'm sure you can attest to this, this isn't a guy that plays it close to the vest. He'll sit there and tell you everything he does. So he's not writing a book because he doesn't want to write a book, but he will tell you everything if you want to ask him and if you want to pay attention and ask the right questions. He's not sitting there holding anything to the vest. He'll tell you whatever you want. So this guy, to me, is uh, if those other guys and gals are in the Barbecue Hall of Fame, then there's no reason that Darren Worth wouldn't be in in two weeks' time. Those are my three. Thank you. Courageous. Courageous. I just want to know, are you – are you courageous enough to then take those three and uh, and text that to your friend Aaron Franklin and let him know who your finalists are? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, Dan, you, we can't be courageous and then only be courageous sometimes. We either live courageous or we are pussies. <laughs> Come on, what are we talking about? Well, that's neato. Yeah, totally neato. All right, uh, here's who I'm talking to for crying out loud. I'm talking with Daniel Vaughn. You can find him. Posting great stuff over at tmbbq.com. I have Adrian Miller right here as well, the Soul Food Scholar. And, of course, I have Barbecue Hall of Famer Ray Lampy, drbbq.com. Guys, really appreciate you hanging with me here through two full segments, breaking this whole thing down and giving your thoughts. And we'll see what happens in two weeks' time. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, and right, I just want to say, Greg, real quick, that yep. after that announcement happens, the uh, the nominations will reopen for next year. So if you feel like somebody got slighted this year, uh, be sure to get that nomination in for next year. That's right. All right, there they are. Ray Lampy, Adrian Miller, and Daniel Vaughn, all right there and all right Ooh. here on this show. Doing it live. We'll do it live. Okay. Well, do it live. And going long. Wow. I don't know about you, but I think I made the most impassioned pleas of the night. I knew that some of those guys were going to weasel out. I, I mean, I don't want to hear about, well, I vote. Who cares? Tell me who you're voting for. Huge segment. Love the segment. That was well worth it. And uh, mostly I'm right. All the way back in the first hour, we talked with Meathead. We also talked about Meathead in the second hour quite a bit, but Meathead. And we also talked with Anthony Lejean, 
and Rusty Monson. The Pitmasters podcast talking about their experience at this past weekend's SCA event in Lehigh, Utah. Safety, congregating, six feet, social distancing, all that. And then the second hour, Daniel Vaughn, Ray Lampy, and Adrian Miller joined me as we broke down the nine semifinalists for the 2020 Barbecue Hall of Fame. And some of us even gave our hypotheticals. Should I be led to believe that Daniel doesn't vote? I mean, he's on the nominating committee. Maybe I'll text him. Uh, All right, I'm going to end the show, and then I'm going to text Aaron Franklin on who my three that I would vote for are going to be. Big show planned for you next week, of course. It is the third Tuesday, so we got Stephen Reichlin. We got Robin Lindars. We'll be one week away from the official announcement of the 2020 Barbecue Hall of Fame. So we're locked and loaded. Until I re-adjourn with you next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now. This is Jimmy Burns from Melbourne, Ohio, and you're listening to Barbecue Central.